Hello, B-Movie Podcast listeners, this is Jeremiah, and I just wanted to take a moment before this episode to uh, wish you all the best at this time. Uh, it seems as though the world is on fire in the midst of coronavirus outbreak, and that people have kind of lost their minds. And unfortunately, quarantine has kind of made the B-Movie Podcast a little difficult to produce, given that we can't actually be around people, people don't want to be traveling, you know, no one out of doors. And so uh, this episode comes to you, it was recorded before everything kind of shut down, and I really hope you enjoy it. I assure you that we are working on a solution to bring you more episodes. However, your patience is greatly appreciated. Uh, We will be moving forward and and making more meme content uh, and maybe some shorter episodes or experimental episodes, uh, trying to figure some things out. So thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for being a listener of the B-Movie Podcast, and I greatly hope that you enjoy this wonderful episode, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. Hello and welcome to the B-Movie Podcast, the podcast where we watch B-Movies. You know those $5 bin straight to DVD. Who are these actors and why do they make this kind of B-Movies? Every week we watch a bad film. We summarize it, review it, grade it, and then answer the absolutely needless question that nobody asked. Is this better or worse than the B-movie with Jerry Seinfeld? This week, I am so happy to have a very special guest co-host on the show with me. He's been a big fan of the podcast, and I'm so glad to have him. Jordan, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me here. You really mess with my head now on this one. Yeah, if you taught me... That if I fanboy out on something hard enough, <laughs> eventually people are going to ask me to be a part of it. You know so, what? I think that that's how it works. Though, yeah, right? based on this, I'm going to get yeah. to be Wolverine in the next uh, Future Avengers movie. So, uh, you know, I'm I've, heard there's, I've heard there's a big uh, debate about that, actually, that they don't know who the next Wolverine is going to be. Is that right? If anything tells me, it's going to be me. Yeah, but it's not going to be, well, it's, it's not, not going to be, be Hugh Jackman. Well, it's not going to be Hugh Jackman, that's old. the thing, really. Yeah. Okay. Because I never saw Logan, which everyone tells me I've oh, got to see Logan. It was so good. Right. And that's kind of the climactic conclusion of, of the Wolverine Sega Saga yes. series. So anyways, this week I have two shout outs for us, both of which are Apple Podcast Reviews. The first of which comes from C.Y. Brett, who says, lots of fun. Who doesn't love a B-movie? Great podcast with fun discussions, lots of laughs, but they do a great job of staying on topic. Give this one a shot. So, Brett, thank you. Five stars. The second one comes from First Hour Student that says, Mr. R is amazing. Five stars. Thank you for bringing joy to myself in PE and on this podcast, Better Than the Daily Wire. Thank you so much for such high praise. We appreciate it and hope that you will keep listening to us. All right, well, now that we've got those shout-outs done, Jordan, why don't you tell the world what movie you picked out specifically for this episode? Well, for this episode, I chose the classic movie that everyone will have absolutely seen a thousand times, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. Now, for those of you (laughs) who are undoubtedly unaware of what this movie is, uh, I had no idea what it was. Apparently... Gene Wilder was asked to spoof Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Uh, I was reading on on the Wikipedia page that someone came to him and said, oh, Gene, you should do a Sherlock Holmes film. And he didn't really like the idea of making fun of such a beloved character. Oh, no. So the guy who asked him comes back a week later and says, Gene, have you thought any more about doing that Sherlock Holmes movie? Gene Wilder says, absolutely not. But I have thought of the film of Sherlock Holmes' younger brother, Sigurdsson. (laughs) So he makes this movie about Sherlock Holmes' smarter brother, which he plays the character Sigurdsson Holmes, and he has his his little helper that comes along, but they're solving a mystery. It's, It's a... Holmes movie, a Hell detective yeah. movie. Holmesian in every in every aspect. Yeah, but it's not Sherlock. No. And you're left begging a question. Is he really smart? Yes. Is smarter in air quotes without or us knowing? Is he just an idiot? <laughs> and I have no idea. I still don't know. So this this movie is the thing that strikes me about it so far is that it's really one that I think was lost to time. Mm-hmm. Because you think Gene Wilder, you might think Blazing Saddles. Yeah. You may think the producers. Uh-huh. Maybe. There was an Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, but Man. most importantly, Willy Wonka and Willy the Chocolate Wonka Factory. And the chocolate. Oh, where he the classic. But 
I've never heard of this. So when you <laughs> mentioned it to me, I said, what? And so you look it up, and sure enough, there's a whole movie about Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. So before we dive into the, the crazy, funny uh, tidbits and details, <laughs> let's go through the summary. So this time, we're going to do something a little different. We're actually just going to summarize uh, the plot based off of uh, what Wikipedia has written about it. And we're doing this because... There are so many little details and pieces that I, I have to give you, I mean, we have to give you a good picture of this movie. So, Jordan, yes. why don't you start us off, and I'll pick it up a little way through. Okay, so, so you show up at the very beginning, and there's the Defense Secretary of Britain, who's going before the Queen, and she's quite a looker, right? Oh, <laughs> absolutely, if you're partially blind uh <laughs> and so in that in that wolf we get right wolf. off the bat a wolf and a document is given that mm -hmm. is essential to keeping britain from war and that document that night then is stolen yes. it's stolen from the defense secretary's house right. and so we start on this journey where obviously sherlock holmes if it is, happens is in london on the case right he's got to be on he's got to be but he's in his office talking to dr watson and realizes that there is an assassin at the door. <laughs> and so he says, you know what, we can't stay here. We must go and travel into the country. And so he, he does this funny bit where he writes that there's an ugly 6-3 assassin at the door. On a cue uh, card. On a cue card. And Watson goes, what? <laughs> the next card is, be calm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they devise that they're going to um, delegate the case to his younger brother, Sigerson. Right. Who has toiled in his brother's shadow without credit for decades. Mm -hmm. So they decide to go. Now, there is a line here that I liked because uh, Holmes says, I wasn't aware that you had a brother. And he goes, you weren't aware that I had a brother Mycroft either. Right. Uh, until you needed to be aware. Right. And he goes, so this is your younger brother. He goes, yes, Sigerson, who is shown as a picture holding a gun, shooting at, I guess, their <laughs> sister, maybe, yeah. or their mother. And so he's going to give it to Sigerson, and they're going to quote unquote skip town, uh -huh. so that they can they can let things unfold here in London. Well, they go to get on the train. They switch outfits with two old women and dress in drag to avoid the would-be assassin. And then he passes the message to Scotland Yard records clerk Orville Sacker, who's played by Mari Feldman. Oh, wonderful! A man with a photographic <laughs> sense of hearing. <laughs> You've got to have a photographic sense of hearing if you want to hear what Sherlock has to say. Right. right. But the thing that strikes me as interesting is that apparently he has an auditory eidetic memory. Yeah, that's amazing. So if I'm correct, an eidetic memory means that you have like super memory. Yes. Right. He, he, he is one in a billion. Now there is a an actress, and I cannot think of what her name is, uh, but there's a famous actress who has an eidetic memory who can remember like everything. She can remember yes. everything. Yeah, how much of a curse would that be to, to oh, put aside curse, for one right? second, right? right? Remember every insult, every every negative thing that's you ever could never happened. say. Oh, you could never say I forgot, mm -hmm. right? You'd never have that excuse. People would be like, <laughs> "No, you didn't." So he gets paired up with Orville Sacker, who has an auditory eidetic memory or a photographic sense of hearing, and so he arrives at uh, Sigerson's flat. So what happens there? Well, he arrives, knocks on the door. He asks if this is the home of. Mr. Holmes, mm -hmm. and he said, you know, obviously the younger brother, he's like, are you looking for Sherlock? He's like, you mean sheer luck? Yes, sheer luck, Holmes. <laughs> so he's a little jealous of his uh, older brother's mm -hmm. awareness, and he's doing all the Sherlockian things, though, right? He he's takes off the hat, he licks the inside of the, um, uh, the, the, the brim. The brim right. He looks see. at the mud on the shoe. He, he's gathering all this information, all this observation. For what purpose? We don't know. Nothing. Because it never comes up. Uh, but he says, I'm here with a five pound note and a message from your brother. Right. Uh, and he goes, well, I don't want it. And he says, well, actually, I'm a big fan of yours. Personally. Of, of uh, Sigurdsson. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of strokes his ego a little bit, gets him in the door. Mm -hmm. And Sigurdsson says, I was just having tea. Why, why don't you come in? But we don't go straight to tea, do we, Jordan? No, we go into a Holmesian-style apartment where there is right. inventions and crazy things mm -hmm. on the wall. And Sigerson ends up, what, you, what would you call it, fencing? Fencing. A, some might call it fencing. Some might call it fencing. A pedal-driven... Pedal-powered. Fencer man? Yes. It reminded <laughs> me a lot 
Uh, have you seen Master of Disguise? Yes. The Slappy Dummy. The Slappy Dummy. But I instead, think, this yes. one was a fencer. And so he has Sacker pedal for all of his worth so that he can get in this workout with fencing. And then he goes and they, they have tea. So he offers him tea, but not till he's taken off his pants. Right. <laughs> Which is always what you do with company you've never met before. And what killed me is... He, he steadies himself by putting a hand on his shoulder while taking off his pants. So, of course, yes. Right. So they have tea, and then he asks, so what is this message from my brother? So Orville, using his eidetic memory, slaps his head and begins to recite mm-hmm. word for word what his brother has to say. And the message is, your brother's not feeling well, is going to take a small vacation one or two days out in the country. But then Sherlock interrupts him and says, would you like some milk? Or some cream. Or some cream. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. And so he starts from the beginning. Slaps his head, starts again. (laughs) Says your brother Sherlock isn't feeling well. Is going to take a brief stint in the uh, country. A brief stint in the country, one or two days. Would you like some sugar? Oh, yes, thank you. (laughs) Slaps his head. Slaps his head, starts from the beginning again. This goes on for a few minutes. You start to realize the process of the memory has a lot to do with being completely uninterrupted. Right. So he tells him, basically, that uh, there is a Bessie Bellwood Mm -hmm. that is being sent over from Sherlock, who is being blackmailed. And they do this great, great moment where Sherlock says, well, I think we're going to hear from her in a minute, because her dainty little hand is going to knock on the door Uh, now. (laughs) And you hear a, a womanly knock. And apparently it is the... Housekeeper, I or guess. whoever, the landlord. The landlord, the creepy janitor, whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to call him. He's just out there and he says, there's a woman here to see you. Would you like me to send her up? I told you to stop prancing around uh, out there. Like a walk girl. like a man. Walk like a man. <laughs> so then she comes up and you find Bellwood uh, at the door, who is played by, what is her name? Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn, that's mm-hmm. right. And she answers and says, I'm Bessie Bellwood. And what does Sherlock say? Liar. <laughs> liar. You're a liar. And he proceeds to contradict her on every other thing that she says. You find out this woman is probably a pathological liar. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you realize she's not even Bessie Bellwood because Bessie Bellwood was dead. Twelve and a half years. Uh, so then she says, I'm actually Jenny Hill. And then tells him that they're being blackmailed by opera singer Eduardo Gambetti over a lewd letter she sent to her lover. Ooh, in the countryside. In the countryside. Yes. And then they do what every movie would do. Break into a song and dance. The kangaroo hop. The kangaroo hop. Now, <laughs> this is this is the point. Usually every time I've shown this movie to a friend, this is the point where I immediately lose them and they then they say, Oh no. Let's change the channel. Let's put in another movie. What on earth is happening? Yes, but Jordan, they don't have podcasts <laughs> reviewing bad movies. So it was at this moment that I was sucked in hook, line, and sinker. Yes. And I said, I am here for it. So the assassin finds out about Hills and Sigerson's meeting and reports it to an obviously math-challenged Professor Moriarty. <laughs> Who claims to be a professor of math. Oh my gosh. It but is having pro- kills me. problems with six plus six. So you know, as, the, uh, as the guy is telling him, he's, he's petting pet snakes, saying, tell me of his plan. <laughs> and he hands the snakes off to his right-hand man. And he keeps making this noise every, like, ten seconds. He goes, Wah! you know, kind of a roof or an ah, uh, makes this noise. And then uh, he tells him, you know, that, that they were dancing, that they did the hop, that they all hopped out. And he thinks it's the funniest thing. Well, in the background, there's a blackboard that's two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to four plus four, which he says equals nine. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the blackboard and realize that everything besides two plus two is wrong. <laughs> so he says, thank you so much for telling me this. And he presents him with two doors. Ooh, the doors. Uh, which is red and blue. He knocks on one and, and apparently it is a lady behind there. And she says, oh, I'm just getting changed. And then he knocks Ooh. on the blue one and it's a, it's a lion roar wow. that you hear outside. And he says, oh, would you please take uh, the door, one of these doors right. home? There's people coming up. So he obviously chooses the one with the woman behind it and gets eaten by a lion. <laughs> of which, you know, Moriarty feels terrible. A little bit. <laughs> well, he seeks absolution yes, from a so priest. Yes, so he goes to, conf- well, he goes to confession. Uh, and he, he sits down. It's not even a box. It's just the confession window 
with a priest behind it. Mm-hmm. And he says, forgive me for I have sinned. And he talks about the curse. The curse. What's the curse, Jordan? The curse is that he must do something absolutely rotten every 24 minutes. Every 24 minutes. To every 24 minutes, he has to do something evil. Right. And, so, And it's a curse. I guess killing this guy with the lion was something evil. And so then he, he prays for absolution and then... The priest stops moving, and you realize that it's an automaton. Coin-operated. Coin-operated. Just like one of those guys... Those wizards. ...who reads your fortune and spits out a card, except he puts a quarter in when it stops moving, and it spits out a card that says, Absolved. So, yeah, you know... (laughs) If you have one of those, you can go ahead and do all the murders you feel like. With I'm, your pretty, I'm pretty sure house. that's how it works. Uh, yeah. Then Sigerson attends one of Hill's performances, finds out that she's going to be assassinated, mm-hmm. interjects himself into the show, and gets her to walk towards him, misses the prop car falling from the sky. Saves uh, her life. Saves her life. Well, sort of. Uh, yeah. Because he's sitting there so enamored by her, he doesn't see the assassin cutting the rope that's also sliced through a sandbag accidentally. Right. Well, it's at this moment that you see a gentleman, an older gentleman with a beard and a hat, smoking a pipe. A classic Sherlockian pipe. And so uh, you figure that Sherlock is still around and is trailing his brother so that he can solve the case. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, he takes some of the sand and throws it in Sigerson's face. Sigerson thinks, where'd that come from? Keeps being enamored by Hill. And so finally, Sherlock takes a whole fistful of sand and throws it in his face. And that's when he realizes he has to save her. Well, the newspaper the next day said that Sherlock Holmes got credit for it. Oh, yes. And so now, uh, Sigerson needs to get to the bottom of what's going on with Hill. Someone has tried to kill her. She keeps lying about everything. So he gets a note in the mail, uh, a telegram it's, or it's, whatever. It's a code, yeah. It's very, a code. Very hard to decipher. Obviously a, a very difficult code <laughs> uh, because he sits there and reads all these, these basically these ramblings, these just nonsense nash- words. Yeah, right? nonsense words. And so uh, he, he starts in on one, and I, I don't remember the line, but he starts in on one and he goes, aha, we're here when we transcribe the letters. Because this word, if I'm not mistaken, is the Egyptian word for burning fat. <laughs> to is, which quickly, uh, his, his his counterpart, little assistant, his little um, assistant says, "Hey, uh, actually, have you thought about schoolgirl code? Schoolgirl code or schoolyard code? Schoolyard code." And he goes, "Obviously, this is something very difficult. We're not dealing with simpletons here." <laughs> he says, "Try every third word," and he goes. Every third word, and he, he spits out what it says, which is basically my dressing room at the theater on Red Street at 10. <laughs> which case, uh, Sigerson asks for, asks for tea. Yes. Uh, which she gives him hot water. Very, very embarrassed. Takes a sip of the hot water, says, uh, you, you call, call this, this tea? tea? Says, no, I was rinsing out the cup when you grabbed it from me. I call that hot water. <laughs> yes. And so he goes to the dressing room and decides he must seduce her. Right. She will not talk. She won't talk unless... Until she has been sexually stimulated. <laughs> Which, of course, is something that a Sherlockian character would have to figure out. That there's some kind of repressed truth hidden in her. Right. But it has to be I'm, I'm more curious out. as to... If she's not talking, mm-hmm. why does he immediately go to sexual stimulation? I... It must have been something that worked in the past. I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so... <laughs> He's sitting there, and they make out so weirdly, and she's refusing to tell him. So he he grabs her booby, and uh, oh, over the shirt, over the shirt, yes, over the shirt, and and then keeps smushing it so that she'll talk in in a way that definitely would not cause any no. female to be aroused. No, no, obviously this is not how you handle a woman. <laughs> but he would know, right? He's the smarter brother of Sherlock Holmes. Yes, who are we to judge? Right, who 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 are we who to are judge? We? And women, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But this obviously is some sort of weird Swishing. thing. Uh, so she finally spits out that she stole a document from her father, uh, mm. Redcliffe. And this document is going to send Britain to war. Huge war. So she, France? France, yes. It could be the French that, that she thinks. And so they need this document back. She makes out with his nose for a moment. That's quite awesome. Right. And then entices him by biting his lip for what seemed like an excruciating uh, few 
few right. seconds. And oh. not only bites his lip, but bites his lip and then forcibly moves him down onto the bed, <laughs> led by said bit lip. Right, which, have you uh, ever seen smaller beds than that? It seemed no, like every character right. in this whole movie had a day bed. Well, these, yeah, all day beds. They're not king or queen size, but these <laughs> are all day beds. They're the smallest beds I've ever seen. Well, they're for napping. Oh, that's, that's what You're not sitting there for a full night's rest, but for a few moments you could throw yourself over a day bed like Scarlett O'Hara and just day have bed. yourself a nice nap. So the thing that gets me is that she refuses to spill the beans until, mm. again, Sherlock, <laughs> not Sherlock, Sigerson, takes yeah. off his pants. Yes. Yes. So finally, uh, we get back to Moriarty, mm-hmm. right? Who is... Um, he's receiving offers for yes. said document. The document that he's going to get from Gambetti. Right. He hasn't right. obtained it yet, but yes. he's got some guarantees. And he starts to have some trouble again. Right. Because uh, the Russians want it, mm-hmm. and so do the French. <laughs> and so the Russians say, I bid 500, but that's in Russian currency. So... Mm-hmm. Moriarty says, it's a lucky thing I'm a math professor. So he (laughs) proceeds to talk out long division. (laughs) Then the Frenchman says, "Uh, we bid a thousand. Rubles? Rubles, whatever. uh, French francs. There you go. And so then he says, all right, what's the, get the paper. What's the French franc going for going today? And his right-hand man says 11.8. He goes, okay, 11.8. Do we multiply or divide that? And uh, <laughs> I think we divide it, the, the guy says, oh, we divide it. He goes, if you get this wrong, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, he tells his right-hand man to stop eating chips, yes. that they are for guests only. <laughs> so then he tries to do this, and he sits down, and he goes, all right, we have this year, and then the 11.8. And he goes, what the hell do we do with the decimal point? <laughs> and he goes, well, we move it two spaces over, sir. And he goes, all right, well then, and he goes, then you divide by, you know, 50,000. He goes, well, now wait a minute, where do the other two zeros come from? He goes, you put the zeros in when you move the decimal point. He goes, what did we do that for? He goes, because it's supposed to make it easier. <laughs> it's just, it's, and that really reminded me of Common Core Math. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, when did math change? Yeah. So you find out that Moriarty is going to pay Gambetti uh, 50,000 pounds to give him the document, the Red Cliff document. Yes. Well, Gambetti is no country yokel, right? Mm-mm. How would you describe Gambetti, Jordan? Oh, Gambetti. He is played by Dom DeLuise, a staple in um, Mel Brooks films, uh, often appearing alongside of, uh, Mr. Wilder. And I almost said Van Wilder. That's, no, that's sorry. No, that's a very different <laughs> that's Wilder. A very different Wilder, alongside Gene Wilder. But but um, Gambetti is this uh, operatic singer who is you know a little bit light in his loafers, mm-hmm. but very into theater. <laughs> and he's written and he's producing his own opera, which is you know not sung in Italian or or uh, in Latin, but instead oh, it's in English. It's in English, <laughs> and he is as fluent in English. As you would say, maybe third, fourth grader? I don't know. Possibly. Right? <laughs> this is a fifth grade play. Let yes, me tell you. Yes, it is. <laughs> so the simplest he, words ever. He but. says, all right, you give me the money and I'll give you the document at the opera. Well, Sherlock and um, uh, Sacker. Uh, Sherlock and Sacker have actually broken into um, Gambetti's house and are listening behind the curtains as Moriarty has come in. They agree that it will be handed off during the opera because one of the messengers will sing, Why Don't We All Drink Some Sexy Wine? <laughs> some very, very sexy wine. Sexy wine. And so <laughs> he says, That's fine. We'll go ahead and have the handoff. And they, they take off their shoes and their coats. They, they, they fought into the day for bed. a bit. They fought the most awkward fight oh, I've yes. ever seen. It was a lot of biting, mm-hmm. pulling, licking. Right. It was like a faced fight. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they broke some vases. Uh-huh. And then one of the best lines where Gambetti says, Oh, we're having a good time. <laughs> a little expensive, but a good time. <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so the vase was, I think, part of Moriarty's twenty-four minutes. The time had come; he had right. to do the evil He's thing. Do something evil. So he breaks the the mm-hmm. priceless Ming vase. Right. And so then afterwards, they they agree on this. They take their coats off. They sit down on the daybed. <laughs> they were in a daybed together. They're like, and "Are you worn out? I'm worn out. Let's they, let's Gimbetti take a nap." Says, let's take a nap. When they hear the glass breaking, and that's Sherlock and uh, Sacker trying to get out. Right. Well, they get caught by Gambetti uh, and Who Moriarty. Three and a half foot pistol in his pocket. <laughs> yes, Moriarty. To which Gambetti says, "You don't mess around." <laughs> you don't mess around. Uh, and so they have Sherlock and Sacker and Gambetti. You know, uh, Moriarty asks, "Do you have somewhere we could put them?" 
that no one would hear them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gambetti says, oh, I do. I had the guest room. It's a little small. <laughs> and they all laugh about it. Well, they, they put them in this cockamamie James Bond room. Oh, it's hilarious. Where a saw. Giant reciprocating saw blade that's probably, what, five and a half feet, oh, six at feet least, tall? Is cutting the room down the middle. But but thankfully, our characters are only seven inches wide. When there's when no breath in them. And they figure out that the room is 15 inches. You know, it's a Holmesian-style play, right? Right. They're figuring this stuff out. But what I don't get is, why why didn't why did Gambetti invent a room with a <laughs> saw in it that's just big enough for two people to sneak by the saw? It, it's very... It's 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 one of those elaborately... Uh, it goes back to the Austin Powers, right? right? right. Austin Powers, no. Why don't you just shoot him? Just shoot I'm him going to lower you slowly into the shark-infested <laughs> you, waters. You don't get this. You I'm going to close the it. door and just... Believe that you died. <laughs> I have a gun in my room. I'll right. go get it. Now. I'll go get it. We'll shoot them together. <laughs> right, Scotty, you don't. So they they dodge the saw uh-huh. mostly. Mostly. Now they're wearing uh, three piece suits. Right. Uh, all With a black hats, tie. Black tie. And I don't know why they wore black tie to break in. Oh, they had the big trench coat that had all the. the oh yeah, all their tools in it. To, right. to hack into the safe. Right. They get away, but the backs of their suits have been sheared off. Right. Shorn off. Shorn off. Shorn off. And, and a disclaimer, there may be some dorsal male nudity in this film. Dorsal male nudity? I think that's how the uh, CDC calls it. What, what they would dorsal? Call it. dorsal? A dorsal fin is the top fin, isn't it? Right, but that's on the back of the animal. Right. So... Okay, you see their butts. Yes, don't do, don't Google dorsal male nudity. Yes, that's please. Probably not a good idea. We, here at the B Movie Podcast, we do not encourage you to Google dorsal male nudity. But it has to be my favorite scene of the entire film because they get out of the room and their butts are completely hanging out. Not only that, but then they go into in a ballroom, the ballroom where Formal everyone's ballroom. dancing. Everyone's dancing because, of course, Gambetti. Who looks to be meh, 40, well, hey, I guess he's balding, isn't he? Uh, I guess, Maybe yeah. 50, has a ballroom full of 70 and 80-year-old women who are dancing formally and are very good at fainting every time they get a glimpse of either of their hands. Yes, they don't realize what's going on. The women are fainting. The conductor. You know, the conductor seemed quite is interested. a little happy. He seemed to be pleasantly surprised at what's going on. You know, different strokes for different folks. So they go around the room and then they finally have their backs up against the mirrors. <laughs> they look at themselves. They check their flies. Their flies are zipped. It's fine. Everything's fine. And then uh, he goes to give Sacker a pat on the butt. Realizes that his butt's hanging out. Mm-hmm. Sacker pats him on the butt. Realizes his butt's <laughs> hanging out. And they turn tail and get out of there. Right. So then the climax of the film comes at the opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is where the handoff is going to happen. So Moriarty wants the document. Uh, Sigerson wants to get the document. And Sherlock is somewhere in this mix as well. Mm-hmm. So it gets to the time they're singing this opera, which is a crazy opera. Right. Uh, the most ridiculous words I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, so, so what's the line there that they say? Um, we, why don't we all drink some very sexy wine? Yes, but before that, they sing that they've eaten all the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> We've eaten all the hors d'oeuvres. I hope we don't feel, our tummies don't get hurt while we're jumping up and down. Yes, I it's, hope we don't get sick. I hope we don't get Super sick. Super weird, but we made the point that, I, I guess, like, if you think about opera, it sounds good because it's in Italian. But if you translate it into English, it probably wouldn't sound so good. Right. right? So this is just untranslated opera. Right. Which no, translated opera. It's translated opera. Yes. yes. So the time comes and uh, Sigerson Holmes is in his costume. Moriarty's right-hand man is in his costume. And there comes a moment where they both have said the line about drinking sexy wine. Sacker is throwing what? <laughs> they uh, have to be roofies, right? He's slipping Mickey's into the wine, <laughs> uh, left and right, so that anyone who drinks them is going to pass out. So it's some very, very sexy wine. Right, I guess. So That's everyone right passes right. out, except for uh, Jenny, mm-hmm. Gambetti, Sacker, and Sigerson. And they're all fighting over this document. Finally, Sacker gets it. And begins to run away. Well, not until Moriarty comes out dressed in character as well. Yes. Threatening to take it. Sigerson runs upstairs to the attic or the prop room. Oh, yeah, it's a prop room. So Moriarty fired a shot on stage. One shot on stage. And then five shots in the prop room. Mm-hmm. And then Sigerson says, if I'm correct, that kind of gun only has six shots to a chamber. That's exactly And he pulls the trigger and he says, ah. And what I loved about this was, 
I looked at Jordan and said, that's six, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. And I said, no, that was one on stage and five in here, so he yeah. should be out. And apparently I was I was right. So Yeah, that's great. It's always fun to me when you watch movies. Oh, oh man. I hate it. Go watch like something like <laughs> The Avengers or go watch uh, a... Um, What's that one where they steal all the cars? Fast and the Furious. Yes. Go watch some action movie and count the number of shots they take. Oh, my goodness. Because if you do the clip math <laughs> in movies, like, they oh. just don't care. Yeah. They don't care. They no. never run out of ammo. The only time I remember this happening is in the Avengers, the first Avengers, when Hawkeye runs out of arrows. Oh, yes. That was like the first time what anyone had ever run out. Yeah. yeah. You only have so many arrows. Do you remember playing Goldeneye on 64? Oh, yeah. You just, you finally, when you beat uh, whatever that level is, it's so hard, you finally beat the train, and then you get the cheat code for unlimited ammo. Right, right. So all of a sudden, you know, it is. You, you don't have to worry about getting yeah. ammo. And it was so much easier. It was so much easier. So uh, they fight it out uh, up top the thing. They find out that each of them have a number of decoys. Moriarty gets kicked off of the roof mm-hmm. into the river, which... If you think about it, Moriarty and Sherlock yeah, it's like had the Falls, tumble over right? the Reichenbach Falls, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I think they did a great job of keeping a lot of Sherlockian lore in this. Right, and and like you said at the beginning, there is no fun. I mean, all the fun, all the adventure, all the, the hilarity, the slapstick is all created by the characters. They're not poking fun or making fun right. of Holmes at all. Right. And even throughout the whole thing, he's the one that has the upper hand the whole time, exactly. the one that's figuring things out. Exactly. And so it's very kind to the Holmes. So not... Sacker comes in after fighting them, mm-hmm. or fighting Moriarty, and says, I've got the document. He says, leave it on the table. He goes, why? He goes, it'll, it'll be turned in soon. Well, you realize that Sherlock was there and had already got the document before mm-hmm. the play ever started. Right. So then uh, Watson asks, how could you ever repay him? And he says, by playing the violin. And at the very end, Sigerson comes to say bye to Jenny, who apparently it's her wedding day. Right, she's marrying the uh, the foreign secretary. Yeah, the foreign secretary. Thanks. Red, Red Cliff. Mm-hmm. Red Cliff. And so he says, you're, I'm blanking out, what's the telegram? Your oh, telegram was urgent. Yes. She goes, no, I just wanted to say goodbye. <laughs> and so then Sherlock starts playing the violin. She comes back and says, what do we do now? And what do they do, Jordan? They do the hop. The kangaroo hop. Kangaroo hop. You gotta do the kangaroo hop, which is the most ridiculous way to end a movie right. you could possibly imagine. Oh, I can think of some others. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's something out there that's more ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Troll 2, for one. Uh, uh, I can't spoil that because we're not doing... We're doing an episode later, but I can't spoil the ending because it's 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 going to be great. Oh, that's cool. So that's the whole movie. Uh, was there anything else that I've left out of the summary? Well, one of my favorite parts of the movie, the one I always turn to see how someone else is going to react to, is the carriage chase scene. Where Moriarty has sent his oh thugs gosh. out, and they're going to attack You know, the, our three beloved characters. And Holmes Sigison gets up on top of the carriage and goes on this epic fight. Right. So he's got a sword to start with. But right? they've got two whips. They've got whips. He cuts the whips. He finally gets it down to where it's mano y mano, but his sword's gone. And so then how are they going to fight? Well, hand to foot, if hand you will. Hand to foot. He goes by a glove store, because this is obviously the 1800s. It's very <laughs> appropriate to have leather gloves. And there's a giant leather glove that is <laughs> is probably about, what, six feet tall? I guess. And it is outside as a sign. So when they're on top of a carriage, they grab this giant glove. And the bad guy puts it on his hand and starts swinging it. At our beloved character. Now, our hero happens to notice that there's a cobbler shop coming up. Right. And so he grabs a giant shoe. So he he takes a hit, but then uh, avoids a couple hits, grabs the giant shoe, and the enemy gets it right below the belt. Yes. <laughs> he kicks him with a shoe. And this... Probably size uh, 46 shoe. Oh, I'd at say. least. I mean, <laughs> Shaq's not fitting in these, man. Like, uh, these are so huge. And it's it was so comical and weird that you could you can't just help but laugh. Yes, you gotta it's, laugh. It's it's old school slapstick. It's Some of the very times, highbrow slapstick. Yeah. That's what gets me. And they've upped the frame rate sometimes, so you right. see things that are going faster than it is, and right. that's part of the humor too. So that leads me to the buzz. Yeah. Jordan, why this movie? Why out of all the movies you could have picked to be on the podcast, why this one? Well. I got to tell you, it, it all comes down to me being, I think, probably nine, ten years old at Target 
and we're going, and there's that dollar, that five dollar uh, bin you're talking about. Where we live, and it's the VHS bin. Okay, oh, really? it's not DVDs yet. Wow. It's still VHS. And I look down, and I just watched Star Wars, and I see that there's this camper with wings on it, and there's this John Candy's dressed as a dog. And I look down, and I realize there's just this movie called Spaceballs. Oh yeah, have you ever seen Spaceballs? Oh yes. Balls? And I start to read it, and I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the at just the the plot synopsis on the back, and it starts my foray into B movies. Mm-hmm. Eventually, fast forward, you find a friend. I make which in those high are school. spoofs, right? Spoofs, so the, uh, oh, spoof kind of B movies. Yeah, absolute yeah. spoof movies. I find a friend who has seen Spaceballs as well. So at 12 years old, we're laughing at this. We end up becoming roommates, and Tearing apart every DVD place, Blockbuster, all the shelves that were the old movies, we lived there. If it was right. if it was a movie made before 1980, we lived in the those ones movies. where you get to rent them two for a dollar, right? Yeah. And you get to keep them for a week. And right. so we we decided that there hadn't been any good movies made after 1985, and Apparently. watched every movie before that. And this just happened to be one that really caught. Yeah caught my fancy it's really interesting because like i said earlier i think it is one that's kind of lost the time you just yeah. don't realize it but this was gene wilder's directing debut uh-huh. which i found very interesting because he wrote the thing he he uh, was the main character in it but he also directed it and i think he directed it because mel brooks took him aside and says gene you know now that you've written your first movie mm-hmm. you're going to find you're going to want to direct because you want to protect the characters you've written. Right. And so he did. He directed this. He wrote it. I think he might have even produced it. Mm-hmm. And then he acted in it. And it is it's it is slapstick. You need to understand. It's aware of itself. It's telling a story. But it's doing it with all these funny little bits and jokes and gags that just... They're so funny because everyone in the scene is straight-faced. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I loved was I talked to you, I told you, I'm like, isn't this a great movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jeremiah said, well, no. I mean, there's a reason it's on this podcast. Right, right. I think uh, every, the first time I tried to show it to my wife, and the only time, I think we made it 15, 16 minutes in before she <laughs> made me change it, right? It's a very select kind of humor, but yeah. if you're appreciating it for what it is, yeah. I think it's and I think, in there. I think Gene Wilder and the two others, uh, because the, the three main characters, so Jenny Hill, mm-hmm. uh, Sacker, and uh, Sigerson Holmes, are all played by the same three main characters in Young Frankenstein. Yep. And Gene Wilder wrote this with them in mind, mm-hmm. because he loved working with them on Young Frankenstein, and wrote it for them, and they were just great at it. They were fantastic at it. Everyone seemed to be the right actor to me. I never looked at anyone in this film and said, I think they should have cast someone different. Right. They had perfect casting, and I think that's because Gene Wilder wrote it with the people in mind. Right. And so he nails it, they bring the characters to life. It's so weird, though, because, like, what are some of the bits? So, Moriarty has to do bad every 24 right. minutes. He's got this... Yeah, he's got this weird tick where he shouts every 10 seconds or something when he gets upset. Right. We got Uh, a pathological liar as a character. Yes, and so she they say cream and sugar, and she goes, absolutely not. And then takes some (laughs) sugar, sugar, takes some cream. cream. They're rowing in a boat, talking about all the details, and uh, Sacker splashes him with water. Right, so he's getting water thrown on his face the entire time he's trying to to decide if this, this girl is is actually telling the truth. Right. Or if this is an important case at all. Uh, and then, you know, there's all these different little bits that are just, they're just hilarious. And they're comical, but they're also, we're still progressing the story. So it is slapstick, mm-hmm. but it's better than something like Dumb and Dumber, in right. my opinion. Because right. Dumb and Dumber was dumb. And it was it was a classic film, because Jim Carrey and, I can't ever think of the other guy in there. Uh, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels were such a good duo, mm-hmm. but Gene Wilder, this film is for the more highbrow people. Right. The people who say, yes, I love dumb cinema. Yes. Right? Not dumb movies, but I enjoy B-rated cinema. <laughs> and that's the kind of people for you. So... I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought there were so many good gags and lines. I love when Professor Moriarty says, what the hell do we do with the decimal point? <laughs> yes. Uh, because if you've ever been a parent, which you have yes. some kids, right? Yeah. And if you've ever helped them with their homework and try to do long division, you're looking at that decimal and going, what? <laughs> 
Because everyone's gone through that. Uh, I'm a substitute teacher. I had to fill in for sixth grade math, and I oh, thought, goodness. sixth grade, I could do sixth oh, yeah. grade. Why not? They were doing long division. And it took me a good 10 seconds to, to finally kick it in the gear and go, oh, right, you put the bracket, you move the thing, you fill in the zeros. Don't you guys have calculators? We do, <laughs> yeah, right? Well, they didn't back in this movie, because yeah. uh, I think this was portrayed in the 50s or whenever. Yeah, um, 1850s. Yeah, yeah, the 1850s, or 1800s, yeah. So it was, I don't know, it's such a strange film, but a good film. Yeah. And I, I, I really did enjoy it. And I don't know, like, what were well, some I other things you. that you liked about it, or noticed about it, or liked to talk about it? I, I really love just, just Wilder's sense. Uh, his voice, he's not overpowering, he's not trying to be showing in his voice but it's got this this calm this calm this calm demeanor about his voice and his singing voice is just so nice and pleasant right it's such a great addition um you could see his weaving throughout it i mean it has what four or five original songs in it yes and they're all just delightful songs and at silly one point, songs at one point in time about the songs you said did you know that it, would, it was a musical? Right, right. And I said, Did you no. know this, song, this movie I was bringing was a musical? Right? I did not. But knowing Gene Wilder, it doesn't surprise me because Gene has always been on the musical side. He's loved the theater mm-hmm. in all of his other kind of films and stuff. He will sometimes play a more artistic man who wears that, uh, what's that little uh, cravat or whatever that he, he consistently <laughs> wears? Because he wore that also in, um, what's the jail movie with him and Richard Pryor? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jailbreak. Jailbreak. Jailbirds? No. There's Hear No Evil and See No Evil. That's, that's the that's, great one. Oh my that's goodness. hilarious. But uh, that's not the one I'm talking about. Stir, stir crazy. crazy. It's Stir Crazy. Stir crazy. Yeah. Is it Ascot? It's an Ascot. Yep, it's an Ascot, I think. so. But Gene Wilder always has this more artistic flair to him. And so hearing these songs didn't really shock me because I, I knew that that's kind of what Gene Wilder liked to bring to the, the, the center stage. So um, I wasn't surprised, but yes. I did I did like him. He's a good singer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Madeline Kahn is just unbelievable. She's got a great voice. And she's been in, if you look her up, I mean, she was in every movie right. in the 70s and in well, the Well, and 80s. so was Dom, um, Dom DeLuise. Yes, yeah. oh my goodness. And, and Gene Wilder has his own oh, long yeah. list of films, too. Oh, yeah, he's a, you know, you go right. back to Blazing Saddles, arguably the funniest movie of all time. Right, well, I'm gonna drop a bomb on you, okay? Uh, okay. I've never seen Blazing Saddles. Well, I brought it to your house, I, and yes. I, I'm going to leave it here, <laughs> okay. and you can make sure to watch it. All right, I will. Understand that at the time, there are there's some heavy racial overtones. Yes. And the point of it is to draw attention to the ridiculousness right. of racism. And I think another another thing that, you know, talking about bringing attention to the ridiculous of, ridiculousness of something is what Gene Wilder was good at. Mm-hmm. Because let's talk about Willy Wonka. If that was nothing more than bringing attention to the ridiculousness of candy mm-hmm. and marketing mm-hmm. and everything, the whole craze was there's five golden tickets in the world. Right. And everyone was buying this candy. How many times had candy companies done promotions like that, sweepstakes like that, giveaways like that? And you, we, we go through life not even thinking about it, but mm-hmm. in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it's... Everything everyone can do to figure out where the golden tickets are. Mm-hmm. So he brings attention to that. In um, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, he brings attention to disabilities. Richard right. Pryor is blind. Right. He, uh, Gene Wilder is deaf. Yeah. But together they solve a murder. And it's, a, if you haven't seen that movie, right. one of the greatest movies. And what, what I think he does here is he brings attention to the absurdity <laughs> of the deductive reasoning. Right. Okay, because Sherlock could look at the man's brim of his hat, look at the dust on his shoe, and say you had a 45-minute walk from Brighton. Right. And they said, how on earth would you know it was Brighton? Well, the coloration of the mud on your shoe with the amount of sweat on your hat would indicate, and your your height and weight would indicate a cardiovascular exercise of something over 40 minutes. Therefore, Brighton is 40 minutes away, and judging by the pin on your lapel, you came from the Gentleman's Club in Brighton. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> and you're like, you're right. But and, but Sigurdsson doesn't do that. No, he and and Sherlock says this: for this case to be solved, they must fall in love. Right, and it has to be an emotional appeal mm-hmm. to it. And so he goes with his younger brother, who he knows is going to fall in love with this actress, and is arguably more emotional, right? Because uh, Sherlock is all about the logic, the deduction. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really care about emotions, mm-hmm. and I think that's really highlighted in the BBC Sherlock. Oh, that yes, you've seen that absolutely, um, and that's why John Watson is such a good um, 
you know, sidekick to him because he brings out the emotional side. But in this film, it's Sigurdsson who mm-hmm. brings out the emotional side. Very well done, in my opinion. What else did you have that you wanted to talk about with the buzz? Um, Other scenes or, or icons, moments, laughs, gags? I, 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 I still absolutely think the the hilarity of these two guys who just got their pants sawn off right has to be the the greatest <laughs> the greatest cinematic achievement i've ever seen i was in a, was a, 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 a film class uh when i was getting my master's and i brought in clips from this movie huh. and people had been bringing in different um you know these all oh, these empowered speeches you know you're going, you're going with all this you know <laughs> cinematic brilliance and then right. i grab you know icons and I, I have you know gene wilder hitting a guy in the nuts with a giant <laughs> shoe you know that's kind of <laughs> like getting his pants shorn off and then dancing right. a waltz around the room right uh it's just so well done and i i honestly think it's going to snag a place in some of my more enjoyable films yes um, now it's a harder to find film obviously it is you can get it on amazon there's a few blu-rays left on amazon but you some can't dvds maybe right even to rent? you can't really or rent to... it from right. anywhere it's not on amazon prime it's not on hulu it's not on netflix you can't get it through imdb you can't even find it on youtube yeah so we actually had to find it Mm-hmm. Uh, and and find our own copy, which was a little difficult, but we, we had it. You know, it, it worked. Yes. But yeah, if you want to watch this film, your best bet is probably going to be buying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I'm going to buy. I don't buy think my... it'd be a mistake. I've, no, I've, no. I've bought several copies and handed them out. Right. And so you know, I don't have them on me anymore because right. they've ended up in people's hands. Who I'm ho- I'm hoping are circulating them around. Right. And I think <laughs> I'm I'm probably going to buy a copy for myself because I think it's just one of those that I'm going to pop in every once in a while because there's so many good jokes <laughs> and gags that you don't you just don't get all of them. At one point in time, you looked at me and said. Oh, he's picking his nose because at one point yeah. Sacker picks his nose and you don't even see it. Right. And you said, I, I had never noticed that before. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of rewatchability to this film as well. Mm-hmm. Not Any, to skip ahead. Not to skip ahead, right. Not to skip ahead. <laughs> uh, but do you have anything else to include about the buzz? I know we've kind of just talked about how much we like the film, all the good things about the film. But what, what anything else you want to mention? I think, I think in today's day and age, I mean, everything's so serious. We're, we're going mm-hmm. on the internet, we're finding... You know, we're going to die six different ways this It's an election year. It's an election year. Coronavirus. Every time we get on Facebook, social media. You know, there's something about this genre to go back into the the Mel Brooks films, to go back into the the slapstick comedies. You know, this eventually led me all the way back to Abbott and Costello. Right. And even some of the the Marx Brothers, you know, the the silent films. Mm -hmm. Because the, the origins of this just humor that is fun and kind and nice and, it, and it's delightful and pretty much clean yeah pretty clean yeah absolutely. pretty clean i mean we talked about like yeah he was trying to stimulate a woman but he was doing it in such a, a ridiculous way right like if you were a second grade boy telling another second grade boy what girls like right. that would be what happened touch her here. booby right <laughs> exactly. exactly right and and she was getting framed because she asked a boy if she could see his winkle his winkle yes right so yeah. exactly <laughs> So I think this is, it's its so aware and so well done. I have to agree with you that it's one of those things, like it's a great reprieve from the modern day mm-hmm. because you realize it doesn't take itself too seriously. And even in the face of great danger, they're still having gags and laughs and fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, the one thing I would like to say is if Gene Wilder were around, which he passed several years ago, mm-hmm. it was a very sad day, I would just want to compliment him on the way that he maintained the lore of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, so how about that, right? I actually read this. Apparently, the guy who plays Sherlock also appeared, Sherlock and Dr. Watson, also appeared in the 1960s BBC TV series, Watson and Holmes, Sherlock oh, Holmes really? and the Deadly Necklace, The Best House in London, and Silver Blaze. So they were that's they were actually, actually Sherlock, Sherlock and Holmes, Holmes, which was really cool. Wow. Not only that, but Gene Wilder didn't want to spoof Sherlock because uh, he he was too much of a beloved character. Now, did you see the Will Ferrell and John C. Riley uh, Holmes and Watson? I couldn't bring myself to do it. I did. Did you? And it's bad. Oh. It's funny in yeah. its own way, but also just really bad. So, at the end of the day, like, you don't want to spoof Sherlock, but he said we could spoof his his younger, smarter brother. Right. And you realize that he kept in a lot of interesting things. So, for example, the name Sacker mm-hmm. was actually... Uh, let me, I gotta get this right. I wanna get this right. 
Okay. Wilder's screenplay reveals a deep knowledge of Conan Doyle's characters as Marty Feldman's character, Sergeant Orville Stanley Sacker, shares a similar name with that originally applied to Dr. John Watson, which was Orman Sacker. Oh, really? So John Watson was supposed to be Orman Sacker, but Arthur Conan Doyle said, I think John Watson works better. So it was his own Dr. Watson. It was his own Dr. Watson. Oh, that's phenomenal. And so I think Gene Wilder just but did just a great... flipped. He was right. the emotional, and then he was the logical. Right. And so wow. he does such a good job with this property that mm-hmm. I really wish... I really wish I had known about it before. Yeah. Because I really wish I could have just paid some respect to, to Mr. Wilder. And I really wish I had known about his his more films, uh, more of his films, younger. But I, I guess I still got time, you still know. Still got time, absolutely. The clock ticks on. So anything. I, love, I absolutely love the the Holmes, just, just the, the iterations that we're going through right now. Right. With the BBC Sherlock. Did you ever catch Elementary, the show Elementary? Uh, I did not. My goodness. Was that good? It is a deep dive. Um, Lucy Liu is is dr watson okay and so you get uh, a feminine take on that character right excellent take and holmes is just a self-destructive self in there dealing with uh, addictions in the middle of his crisis he's yeah. a real it's a character that draws how do you, you deal with being the smartest person in the room right. every single time right, right. and so uh, that was a show elementary was a show that i my wife would say what time did you come to bed last night and i'd say uh three three yeah, I started an episode of Elementary at 10, and I couldn't stop. Right. It's just it grips you. So gripping. But that's, so good. that's an honor of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Because yeah, he wrote he such wonderful mysteries and, and, and such great detective. And we can keep retelling them and keep retelling them, and, yeah. have, and they just continue to have life. Yeah. So. yeah, some of them are not as good, like mm-hmm. Will Ferrell and John C. Riley's mm-hmm. movie, uh, Holmes and Watson. Uh, but some of them, like this, uh, pay a lot of respect to the original character. Mm-hmm. I even like the one with Iron Man in it. What's the character? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Oh Jr. yeah, Sherlock oh yeah, Holmes. his Sherlock Holmes was great. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he had the he he he. They took the uh, the genius of Holmes and applied it to fighting and stuff right, too. So right, I loved that. That was yeah. really cool. And uh, I really love Jude Law as Doctor Watson. Yes, played a great Doctor oh, Watson. Great so. Doctor Watson. We digress. Anyways, yes. any more thoughts about the buzz? Anything else you wanted to include? Oh. Nothing I can no. think of. All right, so let's move on to the grading. So if you listen to the B-Movie podcast, you know we have three grades, all Bs. A B-plus, which means this movie is so bad and awkward and weird that it's good. I love it. A B, which I watched this once. I'm probably not going to watch it again. And a B-minus, or a BM, which <laughs> this movie is so bad, I, I didn't want to finish it. I wanted to gouge my eyes out with a dull spoon. It's a big, stinky pile of poo-poo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on this scale for me, I'm going to say it's a B plus. Yeah? I think it's a B plus. I, oh. I want to watch it again. I want to tell other people about it. I really <laughs> want people to listen to this episode and then go watch the movie. Awesome. Like, I think I think it's just, maybe it's the fact that it's Gene Wilder, but, like, where has this been all my life? Right, like, that's right. what I want to know. Well, that's so wonderful. That's it's like... It's like introducing your girlfriend to your parents or to your friends the first time. Right. It's how I feel every time I show someone this movie because I'm like... This is a beloved treasure, right. and if you're not going to appreciate her like I do, I'm not going to share her with exactly. you, right? Exactly. And so, uh, you know, as far as B-movies go, it has to be on the top of my list, um, a, a B-plus. But understanding, it is a B-movie. It is a B-movie. There are parts right. that, I, I, you know, I said, I don't think I've got to this part in a long time. I'll watch, you know, an hour of it and just and, and not be able to finish it because I'm like, okay, I get it. Or I, the person, I've had my laughs. Or the person you're watching it with <laughs> right. doesn't want to finish it. And that's it, the right. biggest thing is you have to watch yeah. it with the right person. I don't think it's going to win any sort of treasure vault, time-honored right. legacy a, awards. It's not a Criterion Collection movie. No. Um, <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to. But it's good. It's yeah. good. So B plus from me, B plus from you. B plus from me. All right, so... If it's so strong in this category, we have to ask this question, which I don't know that it's a needless question right now, because I think we might have a good contender on our hand. Is this better or worse than the B movie? So let's talk statistics. Yes. The B movie, if we're going to talk about box office, the B movie had a budget of $150 million. Now, remember, there were a lot of big name actors. Uh, It was also animated. Uh, but it raked in $287.6 million in the box office. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an increase of 91.7%, and it obviously did very well with viewers to have that kind of money. Now, according to Wikipedia, what was the budget 
for The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. Ooh, a cool 2.8 million. Cool 2.8 million. Now, that's kind of a lot of money back in, what was it, 75? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's a decent chunk of change. What did the box office rake in? 20 million. 20 million dollars. Wow, for a movie I've never seen, you know, no one's ever seen, that's pretty good. This almost made its money back 10 times over. Wow. I didn't not, know that. Not quite 10 because 2.8, you know. But, I mean, this is unheard of. This is such a great a great number that I just, I'm baffled by mm-hmm. it. But do you know what's especially baffling to me? What's that? So, on Rotten Tomatoes, the B-movie has a perfect 50% critics rating. Right. It also has a 53% audience rating. Mm-hmm. Now, I looked up the adventures of Sherlock Holmes' smarter brother on Rotten Tomatoes. And do you know what I found? There is no critics rating for this movie. Really? It doesn't exist. Oh man. There it's it I don't know why. I don't know if it's just something that's unheard of. Now there are critics reviews. Mm-hmm. I see there are four critics reviews, two fresh and two rotten. Oh, how about that? <laughs> so I just don't understand it. Now, if you look at the audience rating, it is a what? Fifty-seven percent. A fifty-seven percent. So 4% more than the B movie. Right. Right. And then if you look on like IMDb, it has a 6.1 out and, of out of what 10 stars. And and my rule, I I was the I always do the IMDb with my wife. And my rule is is based on you have your B movie rule. Mm-hmm. I have my Sherlock Holmes Smarter Brother rule. Oh really? It literally if it's below a 6.1, <laughs> I will not watch it. Wow. But if it's above a 6.1, I will watch it. And you don't know how many times that has saved me agony and, wow. and defeat that's of, very of interesting so, so the adventures of sherlock Holmes' smarter brother is your litmus test as the b movie is our litmus that's test. exactly right so we have to answer this question is this better or worse than the b movie now jeremiah i'm gonna be pretty honest with you i am a lover an absolute lover of animated movies i mean mm-hmm. I, I work with students all the time I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. I usually probably 80% of movies I watch are animated as well as the movies I pick with my wife. Sometimes I tend to go towards the animated movies. Right. It's just kind of who I am. They're fun. And the B movie, I've always struggled to make it through. Really? In honor of the podcast, um, I watched it this week. Okay. It took five days. Really? Um, You're not kidding. And I... I appreciated it a lot more now that I sat down and watched it. It was one that we would show at an after-school program I was right. involved in. And I would always kind of mosey in and out. And I'd, I'd get a joke and get a laugh. And then I'd think, I have no desire to sit and watch this. Right. So when you talk about the perfect audience score and the perfect you know, uh, mm-hmm. critic score, I'm probably on the side where it's not my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, the B movie, that the is. The B movie. But this is your favorite movie. This is my favorite movie. So would you say it's better or worse than the B movie? I would have to say it is better than the B movie, but the B movie is better than I expected the B movie to be. Okay, so I'm going to do something really daring here. Okay. Let's look at all the, all the data, right? Okay. We have big name actors in both films. Yes. Okay, or big name actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. We've got big budgets for both films. Yes. We've got huge box offices for both films. Absolutely. Both films have about a 50-something percent audience score. Yep. Rotten Tomatoes has perfect 50% score for the B-movie. It's mm-hmm. not calculated for uh, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, but there are four reviews, two of which are <laughs> fresh, two of which are rotten, which means that it would have a 50% score, right? If there was enough reviews. If there was enough right. reviews, out of those four, if two are good and two are bad, that's a perfect 50%. Perfect 50%. Now, you do not have a podcast. I don't have a podcast. Where you review all the movies... <laughs> Based on the B-movie, do you? No, I don't. I do. You do. And as the creator of this podcast, I'm going to say for all to hear, I think The Adventure of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother is better than the B-movie. What? I do. It's oh. the second film of all of all of our recordings that is better, the only other one being Flash Gordon. Yes. And I think it's better because it's one that I think more people would sit through, mm-hmm. possibly. Mm-hmm. But they're both weird. The concept of the B-movie is weird. The the concept of the adventure of Sherlock Holmes' smarter brother is strange. Yes. They're not ones that you say everyone needs to see this, but to the individuals who like this kind of movie, uh-huh. 
it's going to be great. Yes. So I think, in my opinion, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, Smarter Brother, is better than the B-movie. Now, if you are listening to this and you think this is absolute heresy, <laughs> do me two favors. One, make sure that you've watched both The B-movie and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, Smarter Brother. And two, please write into the podcast. You can uh, message us at email at the B-movie podcast. That's the letter B. At the B-movie podcast at gmail.com. And tell me why you think it is or isn't better. I would love to hear back from you. But I'm going to bet dollars to donuts that most of my listeners have never heard of this before. Oh, I would imagine not. And I think that uh, of those who have, they might agree with with our grading. That'd be awesome. uh, Jordan, thank you so much for introducing me to this awesome movie. Thank Thank you for coming out here, watching it with me, hanging out. I know you got to get going. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Anything you wanted to plug? Any any shout out you wanted to give? Yes, I would just really say that um, to anybody who hasn't explored um, the the repertoire of Gene Wilder, go back through his movies. Right. He he was such a wonderful actor, such a kind kind individual. Full disclosure, I'm probably going to watch Willy Wonka when you leave. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just one of he's one of those guys where you just look at him and, and you just can tell his heart by what he does he he wears his heart on his sleeve he wore his heart in this movie Mm -hmm. it's the movie's a full expression of himself and you get that kind jovial fun right you know that in the midst of this this time in in our lives is just so welcoming exactly exactly and i must say i think i'm a bigger fan of gene wilder than i uh remembered myself to be uh for my 20th birthday you know what i did i went to the dollar store i bought boxes and bags of candy I invited two friends to come to my dorm room, and we watched uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yes. And we had candy. So, uh, yeah, I would agree with that statement. Thank you so much for bringing it on. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Absolutely. I'd love to have you back. Oh. Uh, I don't know I don't know what movie we would do again, but I'd love to have you back in the future. I've got some ideas. And I hope all of you uh, listeners have enjoyed this as well. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so in the following ways. You can follow us on Facebook at The B-Movie Podcast. Again, that's the letter B. You can find us on Twitter at The B-Movie Pod. And you can follow us on Instagram at The B-Movie Podcast. Again, the letter B. We hope to come at you with another episode just as soon as we can. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.